0: Welcome to Cover Stories with Chess Life, the U.S. Chess Federation's podcast that goes behind the scenes and more in-depth about each month's Chess Life magazine cover story. Make sure to listen to our family of U.S. Chess podcasts, which includes One Move at a Time on the second Tuesday of each month, where Dan Lucas talks to people who are advancing our mission statement, Ladies' Night, which drops on the third Tuesday of each month, hosted by our women's program director Jennifer Shahadi, and on the fourth Tuesday of each month, Chess Underground, hosted by our assistant director of national events, Pete Cargianis, in which he examines the game's eccentricities, peculiarities, and theoretical novelties. All can be found at the podcast link on Chess Life Online at uschess.org, or you can subscribe via iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Today's guest on Cover Stories with Chess Life is our first returning guest for, the, uh, for at least my time on the podcast. He is the man with the fancy hat, Grandmaster Elshan Moradiabadi. Abadi. Elshan is the author of our November cover story on the 2022 US Open, where after a thrilling Armageddon match with Grandmaster Alexei Sorokin, he finished second on tiebreaks but as the highest-placing American flag player, he earned a seat at the 2022 U.S. Championship. Born in Tehran, Iran, Elshan moved to the U.S. in 2012 to attend college at Texas Tech and play on their chess team. He won the 2017 U.S. Chess Grand Prix, the 2016 Washington International, and the Rilton Cup in Stockholm, Sweden in 2020, right before everything shut down. His most recent tournament was the U.S. Championship, where, well... Well, let's just say things didn't quite go according to plan.
1: It was really bad. You don't need to sugarcoat it. I, I'll explain it later on. It was a disastrous tournament, but you don't need to sugarcoat it. That's fine. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, I think not going according to plan is, is, is it's a, it's a okay. clean way of putting it, <laughs> but Yeah. We'll, well, we'll, get to that. Um, uh, Elshan is, uh, a, a very well-regarded coach and author. um, He has worked with American juniors both privately and at international events. In 2020, he published Sherlock's Method, the working tool for the club player, co-written with WGM Sabina Foyzer. And at the U.S. Open this year, he was named the 2022 Chess Journalist of the Year by the Chess Journalists of America. Today, we talk to Elshon on the road as he takes a break from his travels to speak with us here at Chess Life. Hello, Elshon. How are you doing? Hi,
1: John. Thanks for having me here.
0: Um, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're a busy guy and so um, I, I guess really today I, I sort of want to talk about the US open and your story and the championship and and some of the things that come out of that. Um, but I guess let's just start at the beginning because you um, you you wrote the the cover story for our November issue uh, about the US open and and you sort of tell the story of how you came to play there and some advice you got about about how to approach things so, so why did you come all the way to Rancho Mirage, California?
1: I don't mind to contradict myself <laughs> from this story, but the very deriving force be- behind it was that I didn't get to play U.S. Championship in 2020, and after I qualified in 2019 uh, U.S. Open, and uh, I really wanted to have a full experience about uh, U.S. Championship, and I even didn't this year didn't get because I had COVID two three weeks before, and it only finished right before the U.S. Championship, so I, it was. That is, that was the main part of why I couldn't play at the US Championship. Well, another one was that I didn't want to make draws with white, and I was trying to be principled, which at this time is usually uh, doesn't work if you are if you are in a bad shape. Um, but that being said, uh, I I really haven't been in the arena like uh, Truman's. Uh, sorry, not Truman. Sorry, uh, 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 not Roosevelt. Sorry, Roosevelt. My bad. Did Teddy Roosevelt. Said in his uh, famous, you know, uh, address uh, in the citizen in a republic in Sorbonne, France, in 1999, I think. Oh, uh, Alex, uh, I keep forgetting these things now. Brain fog after COVID. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're, you're you're not the only one. Yeah. Yes. Uh, still there. You know, being in the arena is very, you know, the feeling is is thrilling. You know, Feel, it's it's there's no I cannot attach it. Financial value to it, I cannot a dollar value to it. I cannot say what comes out of it, but the feeling—it it is a thrilling feeling of feeling being alive, you know—that you can take part in something that is meaningful to you. I mean, yeah, U.S. Championship went disasters; don't deny that. But I still got some good positions and interesting ideas against the best of the world. And uh, and because I can only play in the U.S. Championship, yeah, U.S. Open, then it becomes a very important special tournament.
0: Yeah, that's that's one of the things that I I really liked about the way you told the story in the article. Um, Yeah. I mean, you know, the U S championship now is one of the strongest round Robins in the world uh, annually. And, and to get, to get into it. I mean, you have to have a, a, you know, a pretty high rating just to qualify by rating, but there are other ways in. Um, And, and, you know, one of them is to win the U S junior, but I I think you're probably out of luck there. Um, But the other way is to win is, is to be the highest, ranking American at the U S open. And as you said, you, you did this in 2019, but because of COVID you ended up playing in the online version of that in 2020. Um, and and it felt to me being at the open with you and talking to you a little bit, um, that you, you really were a man on a mission. Like you, you, you knew what you wanted to do. And, and even your choice of schedule, I, I think sort of played into that. What, what did Alexander Shabalov tell you about schedules
1: Ah, that 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 part. We had that conversation uh, long ago because I started uh, my things doing the I was close to twenty six hundred rated, and at the time I could play. I wasn't under U.S. flag, wa- while I was close to be U.S. citizen. So I was a I was a permanent I'm, I was a permanent resident of the United States at the time. So and I knew I'm going to live here, but I don't know why I didn't change my flag at the time. It was a bit of also political issues back in Iran, and didn't want. I was worried what can happen to my family and. Anyways, um, so I was. I said, "Yeah, you see, now it's too strong, and I, my rating has gone down. I can never play." And you say, "Well, there's U.S. Open always, and you can always have a shot." And this is um, U.S. Championship 17 when Sabina won, and we had this conversation uh, at uh, uh, it doesn't the Sub Zero bar. Now it's bought by the by by the club, and the closing ceremony players were there, and they were hanging out there, and that is started there, and then later on we talked. Further in 20 because I played the US Open 2021 as well, which was in uh New Jersey. Right. Yep. Uh so uh yeah, and that was uh the nutshell, that's where the, the idea came from. So after all these conversations having with him 17 and then 2021 just came there that shovel was like, This is the way this is the way you go, you have to beat everyone who is layrated than you, and get to round six or seven. And then play your best, just one game at one game one game at a time, and know that uh, you can prepare, you can rest and relax, and play a, just a regular tournament. And he proved right, at least in my case.
0: Yeah. So you you played in the traditional schedule, um, which mm-hmm. uh, for for a traditionalist like me, I, I think is is one of the beautiful things about the U.S. Open. And unfortunately, I think uh, I don't know how much longer it's going to be around. Um, there.
1: not for so long as I was there. yeah
0: I, I think there's only a few more of the the full nine day schedules available um but um you you did you followed Shabalov's uh, his prescription to a max uh, to, to, to the maximum. you you played six games against lower rated players um not, Some of them were were uh, easier than others um but at the end of the day you you came through with six wins out of six. I think you were the only perfect player after six rounds. Is that correct?
1: Yes, that's correct. Yes.
0: So what is it like feeling that pressure? I mean, you you know, in the traditional schedule, the the next highest rated player was, uh, I think it was, I am Tim Taylor. Who's rated about 2275 us, uh, us chess. So there was a lot of pressure on you to, to win out, to win every single game. What is that like, you know, being a grandmaster and having to play down, but win every single round.
1: The the hardest Part is that, like, when you go to these open tournaments and weekend tournaments and all of that, you you want to basically win as fast as you can and win the money, right? I mean, like, it's all about you don't really care, you don't win so much rating or anything. And this was even this is, these are unrated games, right? These are not rated even. So you just want to, you know, be done with it. And, but then after the first couple of rounds, I started thinking, you know, what I actually have to sit there and I don't care about what my opponent's rating is. I'm just sitting there and trying to play for four hours some good chess and grind down my opponents, and it gradually my game's quality started to improve I had one bad day it was round 5 but round 3 uh, relatively I made a small mistake round 3 but round 4 was solid round uh, 6 was also solid and round 3 also so it, the first two rounds weren't really the the difference the gap was too wide to you know to really right more too much about uh, what can happen in those games so the only I only had the one bad day around five of them. and 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 uh, yeah yeah just uh, there is lessons that don't play hippo I think don't play the hippo from that one <laughs> yeah yeah.
0: Um, yeah so so after six rounds we hit the merge and immediately you're faced with Naroditsky um and that game uh, I I wasn't sure what uh, the spectators were expecting um, but that game was drawn without too much too much hullabaloo. Um, yeah. What, what happened in... What, what, do you remember... What, what do you, what do you remember about that game? What sticks out to you now?
1: Mm, yeah, well, I I mean, it was very... Ex- it was... I could expect that Danya would play that line, which is silent, solid, and he would like to get a game, and he's very creative. He knows where the pieces usually belong to, and uh, great sense of uh, dynamic. So it makes sense that he would try to play it somewhat peaceful line i wouldn't say peaceful like keeping the pieces on the board basically not entering the main line which i mainly prepped for the game and i come at the board and i had prepped it of course in a3 system the one he played i, I had prepped in that that line as well i just didn't check last minute because usually i always check last minute before i come to the game just say these are the moves i want to make and then i'm sitting there and i can't recall but one thing i realized that if i think too much then he would he would would call my bluff he was so i kept on blissing out my moves i played a sub sub suboptimal line which i knew is not that great because i analyzed back in 2018 from i saw a game of christopher with white pieces against sergey azarov at the time christopher wasn't the the strong up and coming gm he's now he was like an im level um and that game was very interesting but I, i later on looked at it and then i realized that white is actually better in that position some I wouldn't I say clearly better. Maybe top gyms would know with, the, with good supercomputers or with deep analysis that they know now everybody has a computer. Good, good computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that white is clearly better. But I knew, like, I looked at some correspondence, black holes by thread and all of that. So, but I blissed out and then I played a line that I knew I'm worse. But I was like up on the clock and then I felt that Danya wasn't so sure. I, I have a clear plan, i like c5, that goes to d5. B7, C5, A4, then come back C5, C4. So I knew the plan. And uh, he's the one who actually has to come up with something. And, uh, well, he said that in the, the commentary room, when we were checking the game with Gauri and Sabina, that uh, he didn't check this line. So I think he got uncomfortable. They offered me a draw. You would accept a draw from a worse position, especially when you're half a point ahead, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, that made strategic sense, and uh, that set you up for round eight uh, against Matvichin.
1: Is that how you say it? That's my worst tournament game in the tournament. Like, I was very, very nervous because I knew I have a, a bad uh, tiebreak. So if I, I knew if I, if I want to separate myself from the rest, so I can get a chance to have a ch- have a shot with the draw to qualify, I need to win that game. So I played the opening. Of prep. I have prep again. Forgot to check. R- remove rook c four. He played. Which uh yeah, I somehow didn't check the move. Uh in my preparations and uh I still my reaction I mean I reacted all right, I got in playable position, but I was so uh I lost it uh, I lost uh, the I don't know how to say it. I became less objective than I have to be in that kind of
0: Yeah, you you lost your objectivity. Yes, I lost right? my objectivity,
1: yes. I, I mean I well, was I was objective for the most part, but then at some point in the, uh, along the game, and then throughout the time control, I blundered away from a, from an equal position, and I saw his win. I was like, "Well, he gets seven." I was like, "Ah, oh, this is it, I guess, huh?" And I was like thinking to myself, and then he gave me the chance to, do, to sacrifice my queen, and I found this, and then I that, I, I think he has one very difficult way to win the game but then uh, he didn't find it and I found this very beautiful move G3 Rook B4 idea which I'm very proud of and like I could build a fortress and he offered it to draw and I survived that one. But again, I knew that last round was going to be very difficult.
0: Yeah, I, I think anybody uh, who is listening to this and if they have access to a chess database um, or if they they go to a, the Lee chess uh, to, to the US chess.org, if you go down to the bottom of the page uh, we've got a, a link to all of our coverage of the US Open. Take a look at that game uh, Elshan's round 8 game um, absolutely fascinating fight. And, and the way he saved it was, was really inspiring. Um, yeah, definitely worth checking out. And then we get to round nine and, and this key game against, uh, Ilya Nizhnik, who, uh, you know, I think, I think you know, it's hard for somebody who's rated twenty six seventy Fide or, or whatever he's rated to be underrated or, or sort of, um, you know, he's not getting the attention he deserves, but Nizhnik is, is an incredibly strong player um mm-hmm. and and I know uh, he's he's someone in the past who you've had some trouble with um
1: yeah I, I've never won a game against him. I'm, in general I'm like kind of like his client actually
0: yeah yeah that that's he, he's uh he's, he's a pretty tough customer and and to make matters worse you had black um, and you also knew you had the worst tie breaks out of all the Americans who who could possibly uh qualify for the for the US championship so
1: yeah and what didn't happen an hour as I think I put it in the story, Rosenthalis was losing, so it was it was absolutely clear that I'm not gonna make it make it to tiebreak, make it to the Armageddon if I make a right. draw. But within a half right. an hour into the game, I knew I'm not making it because Rosenthalis was losing.
0: And so you extensively annotate your your round nine game against Nizhnik in the article. Um, very good annotations, as always, educational. I mean, I expect nothing less from the chess journalist of the year. But we'll we'll talk about that in a moment. Um. So, so I mean, in a thumbnail, like looking back, what, what what do you what do you remember about the game? What sort of stands out to you now, you know, uh, three months later?
1: Well, I was very nervous. It explains a lot of the. Uh, I, I, at first, I was very calm at Like I, I was very happy that he was trying hard to beat me after he took B C three. I was feeling very good, but then when I saw Rosenthalis losing, I became uh, again lost objective. Became very agitated. So I became I started missing a lot of those small. Uh, a lot of those inaccuracies that I put, question mark, uh, exclamation mark, are the, because of nervousness. Like, I mean, he would just make him I was like, what I was thinking, like, for 10 minutes. Like, immediately occurs to me that, wait a second, this is not working, what I was thinking. So I had to, but one thing I give myself credit is I was making these comebacks during the game. I, I, I had energy and stuff. And that's one thing, I was missing the US Championship after COVID. I Within an hour and a half, I couldn't play after an hour and a half. Yeah. After that, I was, I was completely drained after an hour and a half. But here, I had energy. So I was making these comebacks. You know, I was making these moves, and I was still in the game. So then, okay, luck was on my side later on. Yeah. But it was uh, I was extremely nervous after that, after it was until I was losing, and I could see that uh, uh, Jacobson had advantage. And the game between, uh, I don't know how, I did, how did that game, was it a draw between J- uh, Scheng and uh, Naroditsky? It was a crazy game. I don't remember. I I I think that was almost decisive. I mean, or or supposed to be decisive. But I think at the end of the day draw. But that's very bad of me not remembering that actually. Uh, but anyways, this that's crazy. So I was like, there, there 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 will be two two players. So I cannot, which at, at the end, Jacobson won and the uh, the young man uh, Gabriel uh, Idleman, yeah. yeah. Yes, he won too. So. My prediction was right. I needed to win.
0: and you did win. Um, and again, you know, uh, readers should definitely check out the annotations. Um, I, I think you get a good sense of the battle of the of the nervousness and and also the triumph at the at the end of it. Um, you know, it was interesting being in the room there, and uh, the the way that the the Armageddon uh, the Armageddon playoff worked. Because you know, for for people who who aren't familiar with with how the U.S. Open works, uh, if there's a tie for first place, there is an Armageddon playoff to determine who gets the trophy. Basically, who 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 comes in first and who gets the hardware. And Elshon uh, was facing off with Grandmaster Sirokin, Sorokin, uh, who you know who's down at Texas Tech. And the weird thing, and, and and I don't know, maybe you can speak to this better than I can. Is basically that we were waiting for for an amateur game, way down like in you know in the, in the hundreds on the boards to finish, so we were waiting for all the games to finish. You didn't know when the when it was going to start, mm-hmm. um, and then as soon as that game is over, basically they're like, all right, it's go time, and and now you have to play and you have to make your bid, and um, it, it was kind of a it was it was a, it was a bit of a strange situation. Um,
1: yeah, I, I lost focus.
0: Yeah, so so looking back, I mean, what what was. What was the experience like for you? Um, I mean, you know, this, you telling the story, uh, there was a key moment in the game where you you missed something and Sorokin got the advantage and uh, took the full point to become the the winner. Yeah. Um, but um, what, what was it like being there in the hot seat, so to speak?
1: Well, I played a 2019 Armageddon and I played it another one the same year, the same kind of Armageddon against uh, Narodiski and I played some of the Armageddons online as well. So it's not. I'm not that unfamiliar with you. I mean, I have played. Maybe this was the tenth Armageddon I played, and I, this was the second time I lost. So eight out of ten, or maybe seven, seven out of nine. I don't remember. I think seven out of nine. It's not a bad score actually for Armageddon. No. Uh, I, I lost focus. I mean, I just got too too happy with uh, the And if if it would have happened, because I was still in the, in 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 the zone. To, to, to play so if, if the game would have happened within three hours after the game I still would have had the focus but after at 10 uh, and I didn't drink any coffee so at we played around 10 I was sleepy at some point during the game I felt completely I'm falling asleep actually like I lost like 30 seconds just trying to stay awake so I, I didn't prep myself for it so I knew it's going to be late I, I should have go back to to, to where I was because I was staying at the same hotel where the tournament hall was so I had to go back get some nap They would have called me, right? I mean, somebody would say I shouldn't be here. I don't know, right? But they said they would start right away, and I was like a little bit. Anyways, I just stayed around to come and congratulate me, and you know, had all these conversations and excitement and everything around it. Uh, Yeah, I I lost. I I was in the zone when I got to the game, and then I was tired, so didn't drink coffee, so it was bound to lose. Uh, It was bound to happen like that. So I'm not that. It was me not being professional enough.
0: And certainly all credit to Sorokin, uh, deserving winner. Um, but you know, uh, I, I think you, you really achieved your mission in, in Rancho Mirage. You, you, you got the seat in the, in the championship and we'll talk about that in a moment. But before we get there, I, I want to talk to you about, uh, something else that happened at the U S open. You were named the chess journalist of the year by the chess journalists of America. Um, Certainly, as your editor, uh, I'm I'm incredibly proud of you for that. I, I think you did some outstanding work for us, and uh, I was pleased as punch to see that you won it. Uh, what does What does it mean to be like the? What does that award mean to you in the sort of the pantheon of of of, of victories you've had?
1: Uh, actually, I have to say, I haven't been this proud. Uh, I think it is it was equivalent to to I won the U.S. Open. Like qualifier this year, it was that important. I was so thrilled and happy, and I'm not good with celebrations, but I was very thrilled. And in my mind, it was such a big achievement for me. First of all, I started learning English when I was like when I started studying English when I was 18.
0: Mm.
1: So I was very late I had exposure a lot to English language, of course, before that, but only seriously when I was 18. And uh, and uh, and I have to also thank you for all the things you've taught me throughout this time and putting up with my uh with with my progress uh, (laughs) and mentoring me of course no i mean it uh i should say that i appreciate Uh, yeah and i'm not saying just because i'm here you know me and people know me that i just don't say things right i mean it uh and uh yeah i always say you look look good but uh it it really meant a lot to me because i because writing was something i always wanted to to do in my life Uh, if, if, if it wasn't for chess, I want to be a, a scriptwriter. I like to write uh, movies, for example, stories. So, writing is all, has always been a thing for me. I am not very big on presenting or talking, but I really enjoy writing. But, I, but it's very hard, especially if you your first language, you have to think twice. The uh, are difficulties. Grammar always doesn't sink in, although you are aware of it later on. Look at it. So, how did I make this mistake? How can I write these things like this? And uh, it meant a lot. And I would like to win it one more time. Actually, <laughs> uh,
0: we will work on yeah.
1: that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I would. Yeah. What I'm saying is, it meant meant a lot to me because it's like branching out of uh, your comfort zone, being a chess player and chess coach, and do something completely different. It's like if you are acquiring new skills and tools, and uh, it's like an adult improver achiever achievement. So it, it meant it meant a lot to me.
0: You, you are, you are one of the the people I know who truly appreciates chess literature. I mean, you, you've written a book with Sabina. Um, you, you've written articles, uh, you know, for, for chess life and chess life online and other outlets. Why is chess literature still important, you know, in the age of stockfish and, 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 you know, millions of games available on Lee chess? Why, why should people still be reading chess books and chess magazines?
1: Well, because of the connection, because uh, you can go, run stuff, you memorize some lines and go and play online. But what's, what's the connection? I mean, I think we're, we're taking out human factor there. And we all need a story. We all need where we come from, where, where the thought process comes from, where the, where the surprises, why a player responds to some similar, apparently obvious moves to stuff, spends a lot of time. Why, why certain, certain strategies are, are adapted by top players in certain situations. So I think there is a story into it, and chess literature con- contributes to it. Like I, I, I feel bad that, for example, all these great events nowadays are happening, and no follow-up literature are produced over. It. Like for example, the Fisher Random one was thrilling, but I'm just getting to see the games, some reports, and that's done.
0: Yeah, no, as 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 a you know working chess journalist, so to speak, um, it, it, you can't keep up with everything. There, there's so many events. There's so much high-level chess. That, I mean, I can't. I can't keep up with it. That's
1: well, okay. Sorry, sorry. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me just write, Sabina. if you love to cover something. yeah. Just a second.
0: I, I'll finish my thought while you are typing.
1: Um, no, no. Sorry, sorry.
0: No, it's okay. Uh, it's. It's. There are so many things I would love to cover in chess life, um, and we we just don't have the page space or the the manpower to to cover everything and to get analysts. You know who could do it justice like the, like this Fisher random event uh, you know uh crazy positions all sorts of new new ideas and you're right i mean you know it, it, uh, we're already on to the we're already on the chess.com global championship i mean we and then we're going to be on to the next thing you know right after that and it's it, chess literature should be the sort of sifting mechanism right that that takes separates the wheat from the chaff and and, and gets the, the, the key memorable important ideas um and 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 transmits them to the future but the who has time
1: well for example <laughs> That's, nobody spends time that how dramatic the last candidates turned out everybody's focused on magnus not playing but if hikaru wouldn't have lost his last game to Ding it would have been Hikaru yep. versus yep. versus uh Nepomniachi. Right. So and we we have another American contender, and this is Fisher, 50 years, uh, Fisher beating beating Spassky. I mean, this is this is a whole whole hour show that you can think of, and the whole story of, of chess, you know, the rivalry and all of that, and now uh, he was becoming the mecca of chess, and I'm saying it openly, and, and I believe in it, and I'm sure I'm right. Uh, so, uh, I mean, nobody even paid attention to that. If, is Are there books out about about the, about the candidates? I think
0: you know. I think there's maybe.
1: Uh, oh God, what's his name? There, there are games, g- books on game analysis, but something like telling stories around what no. going on.
0: No, there's, 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 and yeah, I mean, the age of the tournament, but I mean, tournament books are, are largely a thing of the past, unfortunately. Um, yeah, and, and
1: well, that's because no, nobody spends time on them, and then players come and go, and just they see everything like a, another game. But you see the, 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 these events. Cause shift in paradigm without us understanding. We see so much going on nowadays around us that we don't realize that. But there are this shift of paradigms continuously happening in chess world because of this continuous story behind it.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, just even watching the the way that the players played certain opening positions, and and the and, and the um, you know if you compare this candidates to the one before it and the one before that. Um, there, there is a narrative there to be told, and and yeah, uh, I don't know. Maybe that's your next article, but
1: yeah, and- so, somebody may have some somebody could have thought that why why Fabiano went crazy to try to catch uh, uh, Nepomniachi when he was like uh, sitting on a comfortable plus three, and if he knew yeah. that Magnus is not is is where he actually announced, so I think he probably didn't take it that seriously because he tried to catch Nepomniachi. So what if Fabiano would have just sit on this plus three and try to make seven draws and just. Could be, I mean, the whole thing, the whole, the whole, uh, the whole dynamic, yeah, has a lot into it to be said. Interview anything, and it's just people moved on without even looking back.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, the same thing's true about the Olympiad. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm working on John Donaldson's piece about the Olympiad right now, and uh, without knowing the backstory, which which Donaldson uh, provides for the for the for the Open team uh, and uh, Begum, uh, I can never pronounce her name.
1: Uh, the, so here the, John, well.
0: yes she uh, she does the one for the women's team without knowing their stories and sort of the context that you get you don't really understand why certain decisions were made at the board um and you know already I mean the the, the Olympiad feels like it's a distant memory uh, it's, yes it's yeah everything is just maybe we're just getting old Elshan. I don't know I mean maybe these I don't know maybe well I'm getting old you're you're still pretty young uh,
1: <laughs> but uh, I don't know I mean I think there's a value and I think there's a connection there. For chess literature, that you understand where certain decisions come from, and you can learn from that. Right. But I think right. people are less interested in the learning part and more interested in, in the entertainment side of it. So I think that's why it is the case.
0: Yeah, I, I I think we're going to talk about that when we talk about the Neiman affair in in a moment. Okay. Um, but mm-hmm. um, I do want to ask I want to ask about the U.S. Championship, and and you've already spoken about it some. Um, it, it was it was a rough event, and uh, as you've said, uh, you were. You you were down with COVID for a couple weeks before you uh, before the event started, and you just did not, you know, even though you were negative, right? You were, you know, you you were testing uh, so that you could play.
1: Yeah, I was testing every day. Yeah, yeah, but your energy just never came back. No, I'm still having the brain fog and and a bit of coughing. In fact, September 25th, I drafted an email to to withdraw. Last uh, is that September 25th or
0: 24th? No, so. I don't
1: know. No, 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 no. August. No, yeah, no, it would September. have been September. Your yeah. championship is October 5th, right? Yeah. I traveled October 3rd. That's when I got tested negative when I traveled there. So 25th, I was still struggling, trying to recover. So uh I, I actually considered withdrawing at that time because I had very high fever uh at the time, but then uh but then it passed. My fever broke on tw- my fever broke on twenty fifth. So it was twenty-fourth. My fever broke on twenty-fifth. I think a couple of days later I got tested negative and then I was I was I was good to go. But when I said I was good to go, uh, based on CDC recommendation, I was good to go. But not not because I was well.
0: Right. And if if you look at the photos, you were wearing a mask for at least the first half of the event.
1: I was wearing a mask. Uh, uh, I was wearing a mask uh, because they said after uh, I wore a mask for four, five days, I think, because mm. after that, I was over 20 days. Okay. I was over, because the day I tournament started was day 15. So that was day 20. And this after 20 days, there is no, there is impossible, almost zero chance of you can, can cause any problem. So, yeah.
0: um, This this is going to seem maybe a, a strange question, but, you know, I, I think every chess player um, can empathize with with what you went through. I mean, we've all been in events where we're sick or we're not feeling well and results just don't come. No, they cannot
1: empathize because the, the, the problem is not the result for me. The problem is that I didn't want to sit at the board. That was a torture for me because I was sitting at the board and in an hour and a half, I was gone. I couldn't see anything. And this was a torture that I knew I'm going to the board. not enjoying being at the board. Yeah. That, that was the thing. I like something I was looking for was so much to be there. And then, the joy was not there.
0: Anymore. Yeah.
1: Because I was beat sitting at the board. And that was the thing. It's not about losing 10 games. It's about the fact that I was sitting there, but I knew I didn't want to be there. And that was very, so that nobody actually can, I'm not trying to dramatize it, but the thing is not no, about losing No, the No, no. It's, it's
0: interesting to hear you say that because, you know, on the one hand, I mean, you know, I wanted to ask you how, like how you feel like you recover from this, but it also sounds like, Like in a certain sense, there's not anything to recover from. Like you, you, like the, the suffering is over because the event's over. And now you can look forward to, to sitting down at the board sometime in the future and feeling that joy
1: again. Yes. Yes. Because like I was sitting at the board, I I would forget like within 20 minutes, I would forget my prep. Yeah. Like, I mean, I spent all these hours prepping. I, I mean, I was telling myself, why am I even doing the prep? So, like for example, and and then you know, then when you have this uh, all this brain fog, then you suddenly have uh, emotions kicking. For example, against when I lost the ten moves against uh, uh, Dominguez that day, my ex coach, Grandmaster Lando, passed away. I,
0: I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah,
1: I, I had prep, and 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 I know that he's uh, he's an expert in, uh, in in Petrov. I mean, Lina knows it in and I mean, inside out. But I saw this was so dra- traumatizing to me because the last conversation we had, I looked at Facebook, he just said, I'm, he wanted to help me with 2020 uh, US championship. We prepped uh, Sam Petrov, which actually Sabina played. I didn't end up playing. So, and then we said, I- I'm sick. I have to go back to, to, to Germany to, i talk to you later. And we never talked ever since. And we shared the same birthday. So I just got emotional, decided two hours before the game to play to play uh, that, I checked my files, but it doesn't make you a pitch rock player over over two hours.
0: So it, it was almost like an homage to your coach.
1: Yeah. Wow. Which was which is wrong? Which is wrong? You see, but if I weren't emotional, I wouldn't have done.
0: It. Yeah. No. No. I mean, it, it it makes sense, but I mean, yeah. It, given given the frame of mind, and and given that you'd gotten this news, and you know, to to an outsider, it looks like you just you know something just went wrong, and but as you were saying about you know tournaments and the candidates and, and you know the, the value of literature, you know there's always a context there that you don't know about just by looking at the moves in chess space.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I can't tell. Yeah, I mean, people go and put the games there without... So people cannot sympathize. And and I received a lot of... I'm, I'm sorry to say this, but this was really saddening. Like, even your friend do not understand. What happened, this and that, receiving all these texts, which was like, you really have to give the guy breaks, really. And that was really heartbreaking for me to see that people writing me what happened or stuff. I received a lot of good uh, support, which I really appreciate from the chess community, but for, from some people it was really heartbreaking, you know, without knowing the background story, you see that's, this the part. And, you know, they just you know, write about it or post about it and everything. Not that I care as much, but at that moment, it, that moment it hurts. Now I see it. Just, I don't care. I don't care what people post online, but the thing is that moment it hurts because you're going through something, which is beyond just a result of what happened. And, uh, and you see all of this, like without people, without. No, so this is what it is. I mean, I'm I'm at peace with it, of course. But uh, yeah, this
0: is uh, yeah the, the the joys of living in, in in the internet age with Twitter and
1: yeah Facebook and yeah. But yeah, but again, so but again, in a normal day, I'm a rational day, I would have never played Petrov. Petrov wasn't even part of my prep for the U.S. Championship.
0: Let's let's talk about sort of one of the the other elements of this U.S. Championship. Um, and you know, it's it sort of, I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. the Hans Niemann affair, the, the, the allegations, uh, that, that Magnus Carlson raised and then the rest of the chess world basically spent weeks toying with and playing with, um, they, they certainly cast a, a, a pallor over the U S championship this year. Um, you know, the, some of the, the top players, you know, uh, Caruana and so, and some of the others have all spoken publicly at various points about what they thought about Neiman and the, and the charges. What was it like to be in the room while all of this is sort of going on in the chess world? I mean, did it, did it make it a a strange sort of situation?
1: No, I didn't care. I had I hadn't, I was worried if my parents are alive with things happening in Iran, so I couldn't talk with them for days. So, really, it didn't. Hans Zimmer was the last thing in my mind the whole time.
0: Yeah, you know, I didn't. I didn't want to bring it up unless you brought it up. But I mean, this is. I think this is also something that people aren't really aware of. That you know, you're trying to play in this U.S. championship, and 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 you're physically not well, and at the same time, there is a revolution going on in Iran where yeah. your parents are.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. So honestly, it didn't matter to me what was going on. After. I didn't check anything, all the Twitters or anything. I didn't watch any of the commentaries. Not that they all. Doing a fantastic job. I'm not saying that just, I was like,
0: that I, was, I that wasn't to... what you were doing. Yeah. Yeah. What was, that? I mean, was, was it strange to play him knowing that the, the, the scrutiny would be there?
1: Uh, my game was very strange, but, uh, I, I, I cannot deny that it, it gets to, it gets to you as you are playing sometimes yeah but uh for the most part i wasn't thinking about it this wasn't in my head but you know at at times the thing is that it is against the players too it's not only against him because i'm sitting there and when he makes a good move it suddenly can trigger you i was like no i mean it's a normal move any any grandmaster can make this move but what am i making a big deal in my head out of it so you see just so it, it can affect you in that sense, too. So, I mean, I don't know. Some some others may not be affected, but it was affecting me. So I was like, no, but it's a normal movie made. I mean, so I, I managed to beat it through the game. But uh, at, at at times, it was getting to me. Especially being that sick and emotional, it was even worse. But uh, no, for the most part of the game, I was just playing my game. I was I was who I was.
0: Let, let, let's talk about the sort of broader ramifications of of the Neiman affair. I guess, that, I guess that's what I'm going to call it now. Um, Cheating is clearly a big concern for some, for some of the world's top players. Mm-hmm. Does that is that something you've worried about in you know in in modern chess? I mean, cheating online or, or cheating in person.
1: Uh, cheating in person, specifically, for example, in our open tournaments, we almost have no measure. So, I mean, St. Louis, it was good, it was pretty good. I, I'm sure there are rooms for improvement. I don't want to put ex- expense or something on the club, but I'm. This was the best but possible that could be done, given that I mean there should be live co- uh, live coverage and everything. Um, I think one thing, okay, this nobody will like me saying that, but I think if they want to be absolutely clear about everything, if they jam the place, then they, they didn't if from signals, then they have no worries about it. Like a complete like the world championship, but I don't know if this is possible because they have to have the live commentaries. So I don't know if it's... right. But what I'm saying is that they did absolutely everything they could do, and I'm really everything was at the highest possible level and. Uh, Uh, people everybody were cooperative of that but i'm going to an open tournament i mean they don't even check for for cell phones yeah people come people go anyone can walk into the tournament anyone can walk out and uh, nowadays you can lose to anyone they can sell i've been working hard on that just during covid everybody into uh, you lose to 21 i mean i'm not saying me or as a grandma So anybody can come win something and say i've been working hard during COVID. yeah yeah, and it's and the Bernaf province, yeah. So it's scary. I mean, you go to tournaments, it's scary.
0: It's 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 hard to. I I struggle with it too. I mean, you know, uh, I'm certainly not playing for. <laughs> I mean, you know, look, I'm am I'm a, I'm a class player. I'm you know I'm I'm playing local tournaments, and I I never really think that anyone I'm playing is 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 going to do that. But at the same time, it's hard not to be a little bit paranoid. You know, when you when you see kids running out of the room and talking to their parents or running to the bathroom a whole lot, you know, I mean, you begin to wonder, like, you know, are they? Are they getting help are they talking to their friends what's
1: going on this is the bad part because exactly exactly because I wasn't thinking about it in the past yeah I was always yeah. thinking oh I mean some people may maybe once in a while but not but now with this happening the same I said when I was playing he, he was he was kicking from time to time in my head now it he can kick in against anyone else it's not only about Hans anymore and uh, I think this was this is the part again that the social media and the media in general didn't handle it so well in the chess world. This was bad because you see, everybody's gonna pay for it. It's not only Hans, yeah, it's not only the chess world, it's everybody's gonna pay, everybody's in it now. Now, this paranoia, everybody's gonna it's gonna hunt everyone. Do uh, it's not only me, it's not only you, it's not only players who are playing Hans, it's not the scrutiny on Hans from now, it's gonna be the whole package.
0: Is this, is this one of the reasons that you don't play so much online? I mean, so for example, like in the database, there are grandmasters who play, you know, both Title Tuesdays every week.
1: Uh, I don't play Title Tuesday because I don't have a chance to win any, uh, anything in it. And uh, I don't like the time control.
0: Okay. Well, why don't you like the time control?
1: Uh, I think it's 3 plus 2. is it either should be like 345, 0, like no increment. Okay. It takes cheating completely out of it. Or oh, was Flagging, because if anybody is cheating, they can be easily caught. Their system will catch them immediately. And uh, one second doesn't do much. It should be two seconds, because you, you still can get flagged too, if you have a few seconds. One second is not enough to... Because if you are winning, you can play fast, you can get few seconds to the end. So if you want to save the person from flagging, one second is not enough. So I don't like the time. That's why I don't okay. play it.
0: Okay. What is next for you? So, you know, you've played the championship, you are uh you're teaching obviously uh
1: yes that's my main job basically
0: and i i suspect you will be back in st louis at some point either for an event or to be a grandmaster in residence at the club
1: i mean it's a yearly thing so all this year has been over so it's gonna be 2023 well the first thing i have in hand i am working on something for you i mean i don't know if i should keep this as a surprise but we've been discussing it for a while so i'm working on that mm-hmm. it's a very nice content i don't know if Depends on what you call it, but I'm working on that content. It's very exciting to me. And uh, the other thing is I'm excited excited about is that the K twelve coming up in Maryland and I'll be the GM there.
0: That is right. So yeah, so the K twelve, the K twelve grade championships, uh coming up at the beginning of December. And yeah, so you'll be on site to play Blitz and give And
1: hey, Lectures and stuff.
0: Yeah. So anyone who's interested in meeting you could come to the K twelves and that would be uh, that'd be a nice way to get to know you a little bit. If you, if you happen to be in the area or if you want to make the pilgrimage, uh, <laughs> you can come and see Elshan. Yeah. Um, and so then, and, yes, go ahead. Go and, ahead.
1: And the other thing, sorry. Uh, the other thing is that, you know, we had this past May, we did some work of, uh, community service with, uh, with chess for refugees a little bit. Yes. And uh, we've had this conversation with, uh, with Carol Myers, CEO of the U.S. Chess Federation. And, uh, with all these things happening in my life, I didn't have a chance to get back at this. But uh, with a little bit of time at hand, maybe I can get back and come up with something that this can be not be done once in one single thing, but it's something that USCF and people who care for such causes can, can contribute more frequently and more in a more well established way, in a well established way, not just, uh, yeah. Outstanding. Yeah, this, yeah, I think... Um, These are the three things I'm working on. And then a trip to New Zealand coming up for me, so finally I can see the world down under. I will play two tournaments starting in New Zealand, yeah.
0: All right. In January. Are you, you going to watch all the uh, <coughs> the Lord of the Rings movies just
1: to get ready? Uh, no, I think to get ready, I still will trust my Manchester's better than the movies. But uh, <laughs> but uh, I'll go to Queenstown. I'll, I'll spend a few days there to see the, the side out the cruise and all of that.
0: Outstanding. All right. Well, Elshon, um, before you go, and you've done this once already, so you sort of know what's coming, but mm-hmm. uh, at the end of every podcast, I like to ask my subjects to answer some questions
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: based on, well, originally based on a questionnaire by Marcel Proust uh, mm-hmm. that was was uh, adapted by Bernard Pivot and made famous by James Lipton on Inside the Actors Studio. So, uh, if anyone is curious, you can go back to Elshan's first appearance and check his answers and see, uh, see how they match up. But Elshan Maradi Abadi, I'm going to ask you 10 questions. Just top of your head, spitballing, free association. Mm -hmm. First thing that comes to mind. All right. Elshan, what is your favorite word? That
1: one is easy. That's ethos. Ethos. Yes. Ethos. Yes. I think that's the same answer. That's it's from the Big Lebowski. Ah uh, yes,
0: uh, I have never met anyone who is committed to dudism as you are.
1: Yeah, I am. Yeah, I'm trying to practice. It's hard, you know, with all the things going life throwing curveball at you. But uh, I'm trying to. Yes, It keeps me sane. I yeah,
0: Th- there are much. I can worse, tell you much worse life philosophies. I think out there than 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 that. So yeah, uh, what is your least favorite word?
1: least favorite word this might might have changed over t- um okay it, it will be controversial so i'm going to say my second least favorite word okay yeah uh ism anything ends with an ism I'm um, okay we call it Judaism, but any, i'm a little bit too much against you know constructed you know uh organized beliefs i had that's, that's
0: <clears throat> I, I had a i had a professor who um Tom Alexander if for some reason noted Dewey scholar and uh Dewey and aesthetic scholar uh Tom Alexander is listening to this Tom always warned us about isms uh when he was thinking of philosophical schools of thought but I think more generally yeah any sort of clinging to any sort of notion as as a uh as a as a as a life buoy can be dangerous so
1: yeah uh, okay let's play this place. I, I can use one one here conformism I don't like that.
0: Ah, conformism. I like that. That's yes. Yeah. Uh, Elshan, what is your dream of happiness?
1: Uh, I think, um, uh, I was just actually at the, at first place, uh, Mr. David Grimont, you know him, he's uh, a, head association of the South Carolina association. We'll have a tour here in South Carolina. And they have a view to a lake and it's a beautiful view uh, from their house. And I was saying that this is, I like to sit looking at such a view. I, like, I love lakes. I love to have a view to a lake. And uh, uh, have my coffee or whatever drink I fancy to have. Maybe, maybe some alcoholic or non-alcoholic beverage. Um, listen to Simon and Garfunkel and create content.
0: Sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. Uh, towards what faults do you feel most indulgent?
1: Traveling, I would just call it fault. It's just my, I don't know, fault. Okay, it's can you it elaborate on fault? So
0: yeah, like a character flaw, or or no.
1: indulgent toward a character flaw. Probably gluteny.
0: Yes, I, I, all of us these days. I, I definitely agree. Yeah. Um, whose face would you like to see on a new banknote?
1: Uh, uh, that's I don't know what I answered last time. Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt.
0: Elshon, what opening do you love?
1: I don't have a favorite one. I cannot say.
0: What uh, one do you hate? The-
1: Scandinavian.
0: <laughs> oh, shots fired, John Bartholomew. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt?
1: Uh, other than uh, other than I'm yeah, in, other than what you're doing, yeah. Um, in reality, I I really like statistics, so I want to do something. I wish I had a degree in statistics and experienced a little bit working in data. But what I really wanted for myself was acting. Really, yeah. I could see that.
0: You're an expressive guy. I could see that. Um, what what profession would you not like to attempt?
1: Mm, politics, if it's a profession, because it doesn't sound like a profession to me, but politics.
0: Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of us feeling that way these days. Yeah. Last question, El Abadi. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates?
1: Um, you abide it well, son.
0: Abide indeed, Elshan. <laughs> uh, if people want to find you if they're if they're interested in lessons or uh, if they have something they want to reach out, uh, what, what's the best uh, way to find you?
1: Uh, my email, at gmail.com or uh, Twitter uh, are the best places to find me, and uh, and uh, it's coming up. I am setting up some some new website, some something I'm working on in terms of content. Uh, but that's not going to be in near future. But uh, for the time being, my email and my Twitter are the best places to reach out and text me. i um, people find me sometimes on Instagram too, but it's kind of a hit and miss. Mm-hmm. And LinkedIn too. So the people have found found me in these places too, which is surprising. I usually don't. It's odd that I just happen to open, but I mean, I maybe a few days later or something. But uh, the Twitter and the Gmail, are kind of, they can be sure that they reach me in, in a timely fashion.
0: All right. Elshan, well, thank you very much for your time. I uh, I hope your trip uh, is, is going to be fruitful and you'll have a lot of fun in, in South Carolina. And uh, yeah, I, I appreciate you talking to us.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to this edition of Cover Stories with Chess Life. Our podcast will return next month on the first Tuesday, when we will again be making a deep dive into the pages of Chess Life magazine. US Chess is a 501c3 nonprofit organization whose educational mission is to empower people, enrich lives, and enhance communities through chess. To become a member, go to uschess.org and click on the Join button where you can find a membership option that is right for you. As a member, you enjoy rated play, print and digital copies of Chess Life or Chess Life Kids, and you help US Chess grow the game. If you're already a member, consider clicking on the donate button at uschess.org. Our podcasts are produced and edited by Jason Andre at 7Season Films Photography and Media. Please visit 7 to find out how to start your own podcast. Thank you, and good chess.